everyone. My name is Beata Dragovic. I'm the founder of Freedom Trail Financial. I'm very excited about today's topic, especially it's a bit out of the ordinary, our history with money. I believe we tend to overlook this area when planning for our financial goals, even though it is the foundation of how we, how we make financial decisions. And I also believe, and I, I, I think many of you agree with me, that the choices we make have the power to shape our future. And that is especially uh, important when it's around our financial decisions. So with that said, I would like to thank Julie Jenjak for accepting our invite to present for us on the topic. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. And Julie, just I would like to introduce Julie before I head this over to her. Julie Jendrak is a vice president and managing director of Applied Insights for Hartford Funds. She engages and educates financial professionals and their clients about emerging topics in the financial services industry. And Julie is also the co-host of the Hartford Funds Human-Centric Investment Podcast, where they feature conversations about with thought leaders from inside and outside of the financial services industry. So welcome, Julie, and I will just send this over to you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And it's a delight to be here today talking about one of my favorite topics and one that I think we're really fortunate to be able to bring to life in partnership with Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. And I'd love to tell you a little bit about her. So we at Harper Funds engaged Kathleen and she's a wealth psychology expert and her mission and goal in life is to help individuals, but especially women, talk more openly about money. Not necessarily the dollars and cents, but really what does it mean to us? And Kathleen has, if you follow her on LinkedIn or, or look up, she has a very popular podcast. She's written a book, um, Breaking Money Taboos, Shattering Money Silence. She is very active in the space and like I said, has really committed herself to the art of helping individuals really share their thoughts more openly about money. And it's interesting if you think about money as a relationship in your life, um, I know that I hadn't really thought of that until Kathleen and I sat down a few months ago and, and she was talking about it. And I thought, you know, I think about the people in my life as my relationships, but not necessarily of how I interact with money. And it was in the early 90s that uh, an individual named Dr. David Kruger started thinking about and studying money as truly a relationship in our lives. And one, one interesting thing that Kathleen Burns Kingsbury shared with me is that we form our beliefs around money between the ages of five and 15. I'm going to say that again, between the ages of five and 15. So at a very, very, very young age, we're determining how that relationship with money really flows through our lives. And so today uh, we'll talk about what a money story is, how to discover your own, and then thinking about your future. And are there adjustments to your money story that you might want to make? Because I I think that that's really one of the most exciting parts of this is that none of this is truly set in stone, that we have the option to change our path if it makes sense. Now, if we were all sitting here in person, I would say, you know, let's let's raise our hand and think about all of the myths that we've heard throughout our life about money. So number one, financial decisions are rational. Well, we know that there's a lot of emotion that goes into those decisions. And, and then another myth, those emotions are bad. 
Well, that's certainly not true because those give us valuable data and insight as to the why behind we're making a decision. And then finally, men are better investors than women. And we know that, that there's zero truth to that, but we've heard them all. And I'm sure we could fill many, many walls with myths that we've heard about money. And I think if you think about your money story, picture a book like you see on the screen and the pages, the past, the life that we've lived, those are the pages in the book that have, have writing on them. They have phrases, they have scripts. That is our money story to date. The choices we've made, the thoughts that we've had around money. If we think about today, every single decision that we're making, those are the phrases that we are putting down on those pages. But then tomorrow's pages are blank. Then I think the, in, in the work that Kathleen Burns Kingsbury does, she really wants us to think about those blank pages and how can our past, how is it influencing it? And is that how we want it to be influencing it? And I think that's really the, the interesting nuance to her message. But think about all of the conflicting phrases and scripts and money messages that we've heard throughout our lives. You know, a penny saves is a penny earned and you can't take it with you. And the best things in life are free. And he who dies with the most toys wins and on and on and on, right? All of these interesting phrases about money. But what I think is interesting is that we can say these, we can say, oh yes, I, I've heard them or I remember somebody in my family saying them, but have they really impacted us? And chances are they really have. And what's interesting is what happens in our brain is those phrases that we have heard from family members or close friends or someone in our life, we, we hear them, we take them into our mind, they potentially drive our financial behaviors or we rebel against them and then we make the decision and then we have a feeling about our decision. And this thought process is happening in our brain so quickly that we're not even realizing that all of that is happening. And I think if we start to separate these pieces, it's really interesting the insight that we can have about ourselves. And what's also interesting in Kathleen's research is that there are six key influences that really do impact our money story. So our culture or our race, number one, our gender, the generation we were born into, which is probably the one that we typically would, would go towards immediately. But again, there are so many other factors. Our religion, either that we grew up practicing or that we currently practice. Our social class, which could have changed throughout our lifetime. And then major money events, sale of a business, winning a lottery, divorce, bankruptcy, all of these different major money turning points can absolutely have an impact on our money story. And I might say those turning points may not have been for us, but they might've been in our household or for our family, and they absolutely impact us. Remember, those money beliefs are formed between the ages of five and 15. And so it's really interesting if you're sitting here thinking, I wonder what influenced me. I wonder, I wonder what that is because it's not really the way that I think about money day in and day out. Well, again, if we go back and reflect on that book that we saw on the screen a few minutes ago, the past is really how our beliefs and behaviors were shaped. And we're thinking about today as we're making those decisions and as we're writing that story, what 
what are those past beliefs and behaviors? How are they impacting the decisions today? And then if we look at those blank pages tomorrow, is there anything that we want to adjust or change? And I think that that's the beauty of partnering with a financial professional like Beata is that you can have these conversations and these discussions about the meaning behind your money. And it's not just the numbers and the bar charts on your statement, it's the why behind the decisions. But let's talk about some of the tools that Kathleen has created to help discover your money story. Now, you see on the screen something that looks like a pretty simple family tree. And on the surface it is. And it's, it's what Kathleen calls the money genogram. And so what we would encourage you to do as a follow-up to this is, is to create your own family tree. Now, I know mine has a lot of different lines and, 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 and people on there. It doesn't look as perfect as this one. Create what looks like yours. And actually include not just family members, but maybe any other important people in your life as you were growing up. Maybe it was a caregiver. Maybe it was a next-door neighbor, a great family friend. I know that I had a nanny for the first 12 years of my life, and she had so much influence over so many of the things that I, um, so, so many of my beliefs, when I created my money genogram, Rita had her own section because she absolutely was so influential in my life. But what's interesting is if you start to fill out these individuals' names and maybe uh, notate if they're, they're living or deceased, um, also maybe notate what their profession is or was. But I think the unique part about this is under their name also include a phrase or an attitude about money. And, and sometimes all it takes is just a moment to close your eyes and reflect. What can you hear them saying or what do you remember about them? And this is where this really becomes unique. And all of a sudden you can start to see some of the behaviors that again, either you may have borrowed from previous generations or you saw those behaviors and you said, I never want to be like that. And so you're going exactly in the opposite direction. Now, I'm not suggesting that there's a right or a wrong answer, but sometimes we have more extreme reactions. And so there might be a more balanced approach for example, when I grew up, I grew up in a house that um, it was, the heat was kept at a pretty low temperature. And if you were cold, you put on a sweater. And if you were hot, you peeled off a layer. And we, we didn't own the electric company. I remember my mom saying day in and day out, we don't own it. So choose a sweater or take the sweater off, but that's your option. And it's so little, but I discovered by creating my money genogram that Ever since I had my own house, I keep that temperature wherever I want it. If it's a cold day, I fire that up really high. If it's a sunny day and it's warm, I turn on that air conditioning to the point where my toes are cold. And it is my space and I want it exactly how I want it. it I don't want to be putting a sweater on or off. And so that was something that I absolutely rebelled against. I probably went way too extreme, um, but it was just one of those little epiphanies that I could just remember my mom saying that. Now, something more significant that I discovered through this process was uh, the process of generosity with others. And I, I learned that from my grandmother. Um, she passed away about two years ago and she lived till 94 and had an amazing life. And she was one of those individuals that just wanted to help so much. And she would always call me and say, Julie, I just wish I could, 
I could give you more, I could help you more. I'm so proud of you and the job you have and, and the house you have or the car that you bought. And I, I just, you're, you're doing so much for yourself. I would really love to help you and just help you get to that next level. And so her philosophy was you help those that help themselves. And that was something I did not realize that I have had taken on and really embodied in my own life. And my husband and I don't have children, but we have a lot of young adults in our life. Um, I had a big babysitting business when I was young. And so a lot of these kids are now in, in high school, college, and even getting married. And we've found ourselves wanting to help them as they get into their first home or as they're having their first child and being a little more generous at some of these life turning points because they've made their own wise decisions and we're so proud of them. And I never realized why I wanted to do that because I think oftentimes people think, oh, let's help someone that maybe is a little behind or maybe hasn't made the perfect decisions. And for whatever reason, I was finding myself wanting to help those who are helping themselves. And when I sat down and created my money genogram, I realized that that was a, a, a core belief that I took from my grandma. And I had no idea. And it just made me really proud. And it was a really a special moment for me to discover that. Now, again, I think that there are degrees of help and I always need to check myself to say, is that too much? What, you know, again, where's the balanced approach? But I think what is so interesting about creating your own money genogram is that your discovery is whatever it may be, but oftentimes it is a very special memory and it's a way to say, should I continue to embody that or is there something that I might want to change going forward? And I think that's the power of this. I also think that, you know, these, these money scripts, right, these phrases, these behaviors that we have either taken on, taken on from others or flipped upside down, they directly impact how we spend, how we save, how we invest, and in my case, how we gift. And I think it's really interesting. Every single one of them, we can pretty much tie to those four buckets or themes. And there may be adjustments to make or there may not, but I think having that knowledge is really, really important. I'll share with you one other epiphany that I had. I have a niece and a nephew that are five and seven. And I live in Seattle where Amazon is very prevalent. In fact, Amazon Prime same day or Amazon Prime two hours is very common. And I've realized that I'm a person of instant gratification. And if I can't get it in two hours, do I really even want it? Well, as much as that's great for my husband and myself who both work and you know we can pay for our Amazon, we realized that our niece and nephew were starting to embody that same attitude. They, uh, my seven-year-old nephew, one day, a couple of months ago, I heard him say, oh, why don't we just pop into Amazon and order that toy? And I had to pause for a moment and I thought, uh-oh, I say all day long, why don't we just pop into Amazon and order blank, whatever it may be. It's a kitchen brush, it's a mop, it's a tool, whatever, whatever the, the item is. And he was already starting to embody that. And so I actually sat them down and had a conversation of, do you understand how Amazon comes to our door and, and talked about earning money? And it was a very eye-opening moment for me. And I don't think I would have realized him saying that had I not gone through this process and had this awareness of, uh-oh, he's starting to take on some of my money beliefs and let, let's maybe course correct that right now before we get into a point where all of a sudden he thinks that Amazon grows on trees. So I think it's really interesting. And we have a, we have a worksheet that we can share with you that walks you through not only building the genogram, but then 
those four, how you spend, how you save, how you invest, and how you gift, talks about any adjustments that you might want to make. But I think the most powerful part about this is really thinking about how do you want to talk about it? Is it sitting down and having a conversation with a spouse or a partner? Is it a multi-generational conversation? How do you bring this to life? I sat down with my sister and, and built the money gene and Graham side by side. And what was really interesting is my sister is three years younger, but we had the same parents. We lived in the same house. Everything was the same about our life other than I went to college three years sooner. Every single script that we wrote down for the same people living in the same household were different. So it was fascinating to see how we as humans take on and embody completely different aspects of those loved ones in our lives. And it was a very eye-opening conversation. And my sister and I had a really frank discussion. And I think sometimes we didn't understand where each other was coming from and we might have grown frustrated. And it was really a way to level set and get on the same page and say, hey, someday when mom and dad pass away, it's just gonna be the two of us. So if we can be on the same page now, it's only gonna strengthen our relationship going forward. And as you go through and create your own money story, there might be an area that you want to change or adjust. And that's okay. You might find that maybe that decision has been slightly negatively impacting you. And if you adjust it, could it have a more positive impact on your future? But I think that's the exciting part. And, you know, we've all lived through a lot over the last three years. You know, we, I don't think any of us could have anticipated a global pandemic. And, and uh, Deanna mentioned at the beginning that I'm the co-host of our human-centric investing podcast here at Hartford Funds. And we uh, interviewed a behavioral psychologist and she said, you know, Julie, we aren't the same people that we were three years ago. And I think that that is so true. And I think as we go through and continue to go through 2023, as the world has opened up and we can now travel and, you know, everything is quote unquote back to normal. I think a lot of us are having reflective moments on, on the time that we spent maybe somewhat isolated or a lot isolated or just how, how communication and engagement change. And I think going through and building this money geniogram is such a perfect time to have that reflective moment and really think about for the remainder of this year, are there any adjustments that you want to make? And I think ending with this quote by Kathleen is so perfect. She says, discovering your unique money story and appreciating its power is an important step towards making peace with your money and improving your financial health. And I think that that's so true. And so again, if you'd like to have access to the workbook to build your own money genogram and then create your, your money story, I think it's just such a powerful concept. And we are so proud at Harper Funds to have been able to partner with Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a true leader in the area of money conversations and engaging, um, you know, just that different part of your brain to think about how can you have as positive of a financial future as possible. So on behalf of all of us at Hartford Funds, thank you so much for your time today and I'll turn it back over to you. Thank, thank you so much, Julie. Julie, I just have a few questions there. I was smiling all the way because there's so many similarities there. So when you put up the multi-generational, and there was a question there about that as well that you answered already about multi-generational different point of views about money. What I, in, in my family, what was very interesting that my grandmother, my mother's mother was always had the scarcity point of view, the saving, saving. Mm -hmm. My grandfather had the absolute uh, positive view on money, which my mother and myself kind of inherited, but my sister is, is as you mentioned, is is completely on the opposite side. So it's, it's, it's very interesting what you said. 
I, I would like to ask you one last question on this. Sure. And that is what I've been noticing in the last few years is me as a financial advisor, obviously working with a lot with pre-retirees. And mm -hmm. where I see this a lot is that I can create as many financial scenarios, uh, can give my, you know, can do comprehensive financial planning. If someone has a scarcity, negative view on money that it's never enough, it's really hard to convince that, yes, you can retire. You could have probably retired five years ago. Yes. Would you have the same, uh, what, what would you be your, your flow to, to support someone like that, to, to actually make that retirement decision? Because what Absolutely. I'm noticing is that a non-decision becomes, becomes very powerful. Yes. So that is such an excellent point. And it's interesting. I was at a uh, client event in person a couple of months ago and uh, couples had, had attended this event. And um, towards the end of the presentation, one woman just had tears just pouring down her face and her husband was kind of, you know, rubbing her shoulder. And I thought, oh my goodness, I, I don't usually make people cry during presentations. You know, I, you know, obviously something is, is going on there. And, um, she, so when I ended, I said, are there any questions? And she, she raised her hand and she said, I'm, she said, thank you for this. I'm, I'm just, I'm very emotional right now because I, I just sort of had this epiphany that, um, my husband and I have been married for 30 some years, but I, I remembered, I grew up as an army brat. And so we moved houses all the time. And sometimes we could take our things and furniture. Sometimes we couldn't, it was just part of the, part of the deal. And so things really didn't mean much to me and still don't. And so she goes, for example, last month I ordered a new couch and I just put the new couch out in our neighborhood and said, free, somebody take it, use it. And my husband just gets so upset with me because he doesn't understand. And she said, I, it's caused a lot of friction between us in our 30 some years of marriage. And she said, as you were talking through this, I've never been able to articulate that to him that it's just a couch. It's just something it, it really has no value. I don't feel like we need the money. And so I'm fine to share it. And that's what we would do when we would move, right? The next family moving into our house on whatever base it was, we'd be like, Oh, here's all of our stuff. If you can use it. And she, it, it, so it was just this really powerful moment. And I think that that's, I would suggest going through and actually building that money genogram and putting some of those phrases down because my guess is that scarcity issue comes from someone directly and they can literally remember dad or grandma or great grandma saying it. They can remember the chair they were sitting in and always, I remember my, my great grandmother said, you don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? So she had accounts all over the place. And I just remember when she passed away, having to clean it up. Then I thought, you know, but that was her attitude because of the generation she grew up in as a depression baby. It was, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And so I do think that if you can get to kind of the root of it, I'm not saying it'll change the belief overnight, but I think it's the awareness of saying, okay, maybe I have taken that from a couple of generations ago. If I can then put on my logical hat and look at my financial plan and see that, you know, and with your advice and see that the, the money is there, how can I begin to let that go? And what Kathleen would tell you is that this is, this is, I mean, it's a, it's a silly example, but it's almost, you know, if you want to change a habit, it's almost like, you know, either 
quitting smoking or losing 10 pounds. I mean, it, it doesn't happen overnight, right? And it takes accountability and you have to have someone kind of holding your hand and holding you accountable because you're going to tend to fall back into that belief system because habits are really hard to break and they take time. And so I think though, starting with the awareness, the other thing that I love about this, in, you know, from the multi-generational standpoint, a lot of, a lot of individuals will say, I'd, I'd love to talk to my kids about what I have, but I don't think, I don't think they're ready to see the numbers. And that's the beauty of this is you could do this, this exercise and have these conversations with however many generations of your family, you don't need to pull out your statements and say, here's the number of zeros. If this is the numbers don't even need to come into the conversation unless you want them to. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a much less threatening way to begin to bring your family into the conversation of, you know, why we make the decisions we make, you know, what the money means to us, what our legacy is. And I'll give you another example. You know, my, my husband grew up in Sarajevo and he escaped the Balkan War in 1995. And obviously one day they had money and the next day they didn't. And so when he and his family came to America, um, you know, they would earn some money and then they would spend it because it was really meaningless. And when we started dating, um, I all of a sudden realized that I grew up in a family that you, you put, you know, your, your 401k, I mean, you paid everything before you paid yourself. And so it was this major mismatch of money beliefs. And I didn't have this money genogram tool at the time. I wish I would have. So we did for five years because it, it took a lot of trying to figure it out. And I didn't know the words to say, I didn't know the questions to ask. And it was a lot of trial and error. And finally we realized it was because he had this wartime mentality of I could have money today and it could be gone tomorrow. It really okay. doesn't mean anything. And finally, through a lot of conversation and education, he, he was able to say, oh, now, now I see it. I understand we're planning for the long term. But I, I, I believe, and I say this tongue in cheek, but if we had this money genogram, we probably would have been married in two years because we would have figured it out really quickly and said, oh, okay, now we, now we get each other. We can move forward. And yeah. so I think it's just an incredibly powerful tool, whether you're thinking about, you know, joining up for a lifetime, whether you're already in a, a, you know, a partnership or you're talking to other generations of your family, but a really nice non-threatening way to just have a powerful conversation about what it means to you and how you might want to change going forward. Yes, and I want to summarize it because you just you just said there some some first of all some really great examples and thank you for the personal <laughs> example as well I can relate to that, but it's I can see it so many times that couples you know we do a value card exercise what are the most important values how how you align financial goals with that and at the same time we've been a little bit missing on this that why one couple is so much more comfortable spending retiring two or years early the other one does not want to do that so it's very interesting to bring this back to here to this money story thank you so much julie for your time today absolutely thank I, you for I, including this was, this was excellent this was so much learning given for me and and really appreciate your time that was that was great and thank you for all of you. Please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Uh, if you have any more questions for Julie, you can go on our website, www.freedomtrayfinancial.com and send us a direct message and we'll get back to you. Have a great day, everyone. Julie, thank you so much again for your time. Thank you. It was wonderful to be with all of you today.